Welcome to My Security TV and our Tech and Sec Weekly. My name's Chris Cubbage. I'm the executive editor with My Security Media. And today we're joined by Jason Bowden, Regional Vice President for Australia and New Zealand with F5, looking at multi-cloud protection of a digital world. We've kept the topic broad. We're going to have a, a sort of broad discussion on cybersecurity and F5's observations in the sector. And no one better than Jason Bowden, Regional Vice President with F5. Jason, thanks for joining us. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, F5, most of us will know uh, F5 uh, in terms of that sort of multi-cloud environment sort of stack, I would maybe in terms of a buzzword for you, but maybe introduce us to F5 and where you've got, you had uh, your agility conference just recently as well. So you had a, a range of announcements coming out. Sure. No, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Um, F5 has been around for 26 years. Uh, you know, um, it seems like only yesterday, but we've got um, wide ranging uh, engagements with lots of customers around um, the world, but also around Australia and New Zealand. The majority of our uh, engagements are with, you know, government, with banking and finance, with telecommunications. And so we have a really good understanding about what's happening in the market, how that's working, and seeing some of those trends through that. It's really important because uh, maybe the correct term as you use it is distributed cloud services, but it does cover everything. And I love the uh, the acronyms here in terms of the WAP, so the Web Application API Protection, and you've got the, uh, the WAFs uh, in terms of uh, Web Application uh, uh, Firewalls as well. So, and that's often where you, I think that's the thing when you've been around for 26 years, you do get kind of, pigeonholed into certain areas, but you are expanding Absolutely. the service offering and what, what you're doing because yeah, the market no, is moving to multi-cloud? Yeah, thank you, Chris. I think the the positioning for us has been is, is that we were very much traditional data center uh, service. So we provided hardware, we provided, provided um, load balancing into customers. As that's grown and evolved, and, and especially over the last three years, we've seen some really big trends around digitalization. And because we've always supported the application, that has meant that wherever that application goes, F5 goes with it. So where we've seen that is, is that traditionally, absolutely, and we still have plenty of customers that are very happy to buy TIN, put that in their data center, see where that works. But as we've seen over the last few years, there's been a huge acceleration, especially in ANZ around moving into uh, clouds, moving into a single cloud, moving into a multi-cloud, having a hybrid cloud offering. And so wherever that application goes, uh, you need to be able to not only um, understand what's happening with it, but also secure it and make sure that, that that's got that coverage. So definitely terms like, you know, web application, uh, you know, WAP, these new areas, is it those places where that's basically making sure that there's security around that application wherever it is. How much configuration is required in that as well? Because one of the things I was going to raise is <laughs> you're seeing uh, up to 3.4, well, the, the stats here is 3.4 public clouds and 3.9 private clouds have been deployed and tested. Do you think the market is still playing around as to what they're doing, where they're going, they're not sure? And then I was going to say the platform that you provide, there's a still configuration required or are you providing a bit of automation in there as well? How, how much are you really working with the clients in this regard? Uh, Chris, that's a great question. So we can really unpack that. Um, firstly, I'll say all of the above. Uh, really, what we see from that uh, is, is that customers come to us and say, 
actually, we want to do that all of ourselves. We've got the skill sets, yeah. we've got the people. And if you think about a tier one bank, they've got a lot of developers, they've got a lot of cybersecurity professionals. There's a huge amount of coverage around that. And so that's quite easy for you to be able to say, okay, well, I can, I can take that, I can configure it, I can manage it, I can understand what's happening on a daily basis. What we've seen is, is that uh, the application is now the really the long tail. Is that we see that going into, you know, every part of an organisation. And so, as you may not have as many people, you don't have as many developers. That may mean that you need um, to outsource more of that. And so, what we've done is we've evolved through that. And where we're very traditionally delivering those services now, what we do is, is that we deliver a in cloud, so you can purchase that through a. Uh, you know, marketplace within any of the cloud providers. You can then also outsource it to someone, to us, because, you know, we have points of presence all around the world that allows you then to, you know, go into those points of presence and then we will manage that for you as well and bring that back. And I think that comes back to that skill shortage that we're seeing in yeah. cybersecurity. I think even, I, I read an article the other day that there's 25,000 open jobs in cybersecurity right now. So, really what do you need to do you need to automate more you need to outsource more you need to go to somebody that you can trust to do that and you raised it uh, sort of pre-interview you were going to raise the skill shortage we might sort of jump on that too because uh, sort of maybe brings us back to the federal budget and the sme sort of tax concessions as well there's a lot of discussion around cyber security and the onus on business to uplift their cyber security is there but at the same time, the industry's got a skill shortage uh, as well, and the digital transformation. It's all, it's a it's a perfect storm in regards. What's your general observations? Um, and maybe starting with the skill shortage, can we meet things like uh, a tax concession where effectively the government's increasing demand potentially? Uh, at, at the same time, I think that they you know they're doing the right thing. Is is it? There is the you know just if we talk about skill shortage, as I said, you know there's probably twenty five thousand open roles at the moment in cybersecurity, what do we need to do? We need to encourage people to go into that. We need to be able to um, find more uh, new talent to you know, pick cybersecurity up as a, as a interest area early on. And I think we're seeing even the competition for talent at universities is that many of them are offer, being offered jobs in you know, first and second year if they're able to complete their course and they're a real hunting ground from there. There's really a question is, should we be going back even further and convincing, um, you know, high schools to pick that up as a subject as well? So I think I think there's a long road to go on being able to get that skills uh, up to speed. But while we're doing that, what we're seeing is, is that um, there's more and more attacks. And as you alluded to, the, uh, the federal government has come out and said that, you know, they want to encourage people. I think if you use the analogy that, you know, uh, if a burglar is coming into your street and they see security cameras and barbed wire and a big fence, and next door they don't see one, they're not going to. They're going to go to the uh, the house next door. And what we're seeing is is that um, potentially the large organisations have a security budget. They've been very well versed in it. They've been spending money in that for a really long time. Where we're now seeing is is that those SMEs and so the government's initiative to say if you have less than fifty thousand up to fifty thousand. Um, uh, 50 million um, turnover, then what they're offering is for you to be able to spend, uh, you know, that money on cybersecurity. And so if you spend $100,000 on cybersecurity, you've got a $120,000 deduction. Yeah. So what that's really saying is, is that 
the government seeing that those skill sets are not there. And so therefore, if they can find a way to be able to do that, and that's the perfect place for something like a managed service or, you know, where you outsource or give um, that configuration to um, a provider like us to be able to help out with that. And that was for digital capability, uh, which includes spending on websites, cloud computing, and portable payment devices. We're going to touch a little bit on uh, sort of the bots and the botnets as well. And uh, maybe let's touch on payment devices uh, with Visa as well. But the general package from the federal government and sort of the, the uplift, there was 39% of Australian enterprises have adopted multi-cloud technologies and given most of the Australian sort of business environment is small and medium sized enterprises, where where's the real challenges for them? Is it the the amount of cloud offerings and sort of the, the technology challenge? How do they choose? Uh, how do they get those skill sets? And then the security challenge that comes up behind that, where, where do you think the key pain points are uh, for business here? Chris, I think the area that has really driven that is, is that Australia is a very early adopter of cloud architecture. So leveraging those uh, those hyperscalers to be able to put applications into it. And it really comes back to that application layer. So as you said, um, you, where are you gonna put that application? You're gonna put it where you can get the most access to it, that it's gonna be able to scale. You're gonna be able to, um, you know, it's gonna work when you need it to work. And you think about an insurance company during this, um, you know, the recent flooding is, is that they may have times where there's no disaster or there's nothing um, happening and their website or applications might not be used all that much. But when you have something like that, where you've got a mass amount of people trying to log on or, you know, um, speak to somebody or get access to that, there's going to be a huge amount of scale that often you can't even um, be ready for. So hence the reason that's when you want to be able to use a a hyperscaler, a cloud computing, at that same time, if there's money associated with it or there's potential to fraud, that's exactly where criminals are going to go. So what do you want to do around that? You want to make sure that that application can scale, but at the same time, it's also secure. And so those are probably the two things that are coupled together on that side of it. We're seeing that applications can be moved between clouds, and that can often be um, either for a specific use case where the cloud provider might do something special compared to another one, or it might be wanting to be using it as as before where they want, um, you know, increased scale really quickly. But the other reason might be is you might look at it from a cost base and then you take back ownership of, you know, where are your applications? And we've seen on, um, as, as Australia is sometimes further ahead than some of the other regions that we work with at F5 across the world is, is that we might see where customers have gone all in on certain cloud providers gone through that process, um, looked at, you know, where are those applications going and then maybe scaled that back, bought some things back on site, may have worked with other cloud providers. And so really from our perspective, it's about where is that application and how can we help you manage it and secure it as best as we can. Nice. So really that's where the where business would be focusing on. First on the application, what, you know, what's the front line of the business and, and their shop front, I suppose, and then being able to scale and move it around. I imagine that's another sort of a challenge here is being able to move from one cloud environment to another or operate in different uh, cloud environments, potentially simultaneously. Does that create that complexity, create the security risk, the configuration of that, or maybe that, that's what F5 focuses on is wrapping the security around the application. So it doesn't really matter where, what environment it's in. That's it. That's, that's it. It's, it's just to allow, 
It's allow um, wherever that application is sitting to absolutely be secure. But if you do want to move it quickly or you do need, you know, have a need for it to be in a different place that you know that you've got that uniform security across all of those platforms. That can often, that can often add that increase, that complexity where we've seen uh, customers as they, they build out a new application or they have uh, a new development that they're working on is, is that now what we see is the security architect is in there from day one. And the reason that they're in there is, is that they can, you know, um, what, do, what do we know devs love doing? They, they don't like to be slowed down. They don't want to have anybody hold them back. They want to, you know, move really, really quickly and get um, that application out. The, uh, while security isn't um, a slowdown, it is a consideration. And the sooner you put it in there, the, um, the easier that application will slide through into, um, into production. And that's your WAP sort of uh, tool there, that web application API protection. That's really where that focuses in on, right? Absolutely. So, so hence the reason that you can have that application wherever you need it to be, and you can have that covered. And and, and I think that's the evolution of F five as well. This is a very traditional in the in the hardware space, but over the last three years, we've invested heavily in uh, in new acquisitions around the the cloud and software, but also into this um, distributed cloud. And that's allowed us to have those points of presence all over the world to be able to deliver that to customers. So um, really wherever that application can go, I think we're in a very fortunate position that we're a trusted advisor within those customers. They can now take those policies with them wherever, they, um, wherever that application is. Nice, so that's the F5 distributed cloud platform. So it's worth having a look at. Let's have a uh, discussion on the payment uh, risks and what Visa's doing. And also wanted to cover off on bot mitigation too. So bots are running crazy as they always have been, but uh, yeah, where would you like to start payments? So I suppose, let's start with the money. Yeah. And, and, yeah, the and, and again, it comes back to wherever there's money, uh, you know, there's yeah. criminals. So exactly um, right. if, there is a, if there is a payment um, opportunity, people will find their ways around. There's some very good tools out there. There's some uh, that, that are used, but what you really want to do as from a um, engagement and when the way we see this working for um, with our customer base is that you can have things where you've got capture where you know you count how many uh, fire hydrants you've seen in that in that in there but that can also be a hindrance to that customer interaction or that uh, you know that consumer interaction so whether you're a government department or a uh, or a commerce site anything that slows down that engagement yeah. can have an impact people might be not bothered with it you have to do it three times you can't read that writing it makes it more difficult um what we do at f5 is, is we want to be able to take that away from it so it's seamless so that interaction and discovering whether that's a bot or that's a real person can be done quite easily in the background and and make that seamless so it makes that interaction with that application so much easier if you don't have to you know do those extra steps to go through that now, what are you doing? Is this down into potential behavioural analytics or yeah, what, what's uh, the secret source? AI and, and reviewing that and then capturing that data and then building that out so that if we do see something that every customer is um, benefits from that, the value of, um, of capturing a new bot or a new way that someone is trying to get through the uh, through an application. We, we have done a lot in uh, sort of fraud detection, fraud prevention, and you're right, it's there's sometimes there's a the business case for reducing the fraud prevention to make sure that there's no uh, sort of friction for the customer for those legitimate customers and that's where you're working on are you matching sort of the device how many times that device accesses the application and sort of building uh, what we would know is sort of know your customer and trusted customers and trusted devices 
Correct, and and being able to make sure that that's a that's a real person on the end of it. I think the other the other area you touched on there is that that's one part of it. The other places that we see with the with the um, the owner of the application is often that can have a downstream um, impact on their bottom line. Is is that we've seen where if there's constant bots um, hitting your system, you know, an example is in ticketing. So if there's somebody or you know hotel reservations, if you're going through that process and continually keep looking at that, that can have an onward cost of looking up if there is an actual um, room there that may never actually be used, but have a cost to that to that provider. So they want to do everything they possibly can to make sure that the person that's looking up or working um, through that, you know, looking for the uh, the hotel room or the flight is actually the person that's going to book it, as opposed to you know a computer just um, kind of brute forcing through their systems. Well, we've got some stats here. Card not present fraud, uh, according to the Australian Payments Network, rose 12, uh, over 12% in financial year 21 to a tune of uh, 442 million. So it's a big business uh, in that regards. And the adaptive applications vision, I take it that all this is, uh, it's all interdependent really, isn't it? You do one and it affects the other. So bot detection, bot prevention increases your fraud sort of prevention as well and improves your payment processing uh, and customer uh, engagement. So it's really, this is really the front line for business today in cybersecurity. What other observations have you got for business? Uh, and I'm looking here at adaptive applications vision and the portfolio. Where would a business owner or manager be thinking in this regard if they're running an online or an e-commerce sort of site? Uh, and they might want to adapt their applications to a new cloud environment. Where, where are they going to be thinking about and where would they start at the application point? Yeah, I think uh, going back to, to the previous comments, um, Chris, is it's really about baking that security in as you're building out that application. I think COVID and the pandemic has meant that, you, you know, we, we look to applications as our lifeblood. How do we get in? How do we interact with an organisation? How do we interact with a government department? How do we talk to anybody now? It's often through an application. And so that engagement is our first point of call. It's about how quickly can uh, somebody who's building an application make sure that that interaction is easy, that it's secure, and they can make sure that they've got the person that they think they're talking to on the end of the line. Because as you said, I think you called out the the dollars that, um, that are impacted by the business often just going through this process at the start can mean saving up a lot of money at the end. And so often this return on investment for, for going through this process is greatly saved many times over. And I think the other thing is the customer's expectations is also changing and they expect uh, it to be seamless and, and secure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't know about you, but you know, COVID has hit our, our house and we did seven days of lockdown. And, and I know that we, we placed an order for groceries and you know it was within half an hour it had been delivered I mean you think about that two years yeah. ago it was it's impossible to imagine that that level of service now is available to us and we're not going to go back you know we expect you know <laughs> probably expect it's going to that timeline is going to get shorter rather than longer and yeah. what we really do is is that that therefore then um, creates the complexity but also means that you know it puts the organizations on the hook to make sure that that's a secure engagement. Well, look, we've covered a fair bit. What, what's your general observations of the industry, maybe from the cybersecurity sector yeah. that you're observing? We touched on uh, the sort of skill shortage, but yeah, what's your general observations for here in Australia and New Zealand? Uh, look, uh, Chris, I think what we're seeing is, is that there's broad brush, as, as we said, we talked about 
you know, how are we going to um, maintain the people to, to do these? The cyber security, uh, the, the cyber um, attacks are getting cheaper to do, but more expensive to cover. So we have to find ways to automate those. And I think that's really the big um, place is that, you know, we've got many, um, they're getting much more sophisticated. The attacks, they're getting much easier to do. You can download them from the dark web. There's quite easy places to be able to, to find those areas. So it's really having that plan up front. And then, um, and then really lastly, I think it's just about um, digitization. And we're just gonna see more and more of those organizations that potentially um, didn't think of themselves as being going into the digital world, having an application and being able to deliver on that. So it's really through the MSPs, the MSSPs, that the that's where the cybersecurity sector is going now because it's very complex. And we talked about how business is transforming, but the adversaries are transforming as well. So they're adapting. It's an endless game. We've always been aware of that, but I don't know whether normal business owners and operators are aware of how sophisticated this is becoming. So you yeah. really do need sort of managed service providers in the middle who know yeah, what they're yeah, doing. Uh, you could, you are hundred percent correct, Chris. Is that we're seeing our partners um, really engaging in that is that they're taking those services and they're aggregating those security services that then take them to their customers. So it's, it is that there is um, definitely the middle ground of where can you support uh, and where are you going to be able to find the people to be able to do that? So definitely it's a circle. Great. So, Jason uh, Baden, thank you so much for that. Um, it's always good, particularly when you're a sort of a regional VP, you have the, a broad sort of cover across the country, but obviously you talk to your counterparts at F5 uh, around the world as well. So it's always good to get that insights uh, into the sector. So Jason Baden, Regional Vice President for Australia New Zealand with F5. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks so much, Chris. Cheers.